Welcome to WMUR's The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. I'm WMUR political director Adam Sexton, and we're returning to our Candidate Cafe again in this episode. Through this series, we're looking to learn more about the candidates themselves and what makes them tick. In this episode, we'll hear some highlights from Mark Sanford's back and forth with voters at Manchester's Airport Diner. Then I'll chat with the former South Carolina governor on some hot topics of the day. Thanks for listening, and be sure to leave a rating and a review of this podcast after the episode. We'd really appreciate it. At our candidate cafe, Mark Sanford didn't shy away from discussing the very public troubles he's lived through, an affair that became the subject of tabloid-style headlines and derailed his career in politics. In the aftermath of me blowing myself up, uh, I finished out my term, which is a year and a half, uh, left in the governorship. But then after that, I had an awfully quiet time in the wilderness, going back to the cabin in the woods. It was the cabin at our farm. And, uh, and we did some things, my sons and I, just after a lot of destruction, uh, the beginning of the process of rebuilding, we built a bridge together, we built a little cabin in the woods together, I mean physically built it, and it was important just in terms of our own healing process to do that. Sanford is a Christian, but says he's gained a measure of peace from incorporating Eastern philosophies of mindfulness into his daily life. And I think so much of what we do in Western society either pulls us back, like, I can't believe they did whatever, or I can't believe I did whatever, or whatever, but you're going to live in yesterday, or you're living in tomorrow, but you're not in the day you have. And my simple point was, God gives you the day you got, and you better focus on that one. Sanford's personal hero is his own father, who continued working the family farm, even as ALS robbed him of his physical uh, abilities. For those of you who know about Lou Gehrig's disease, it's a, it's a, a rather tough process. Um, and and he, um, he was absolutely courageous to the end. One voter asked Sanford what one thing he'd change about the world if he could. There'd be some incredible new pharmaceutical um, that would inject everybody with a degree of humility. Adam Sexton, WMUR News 9. Hey, Facebook recently made some changes. Now you're missing out on lots of content from WMUR, but it's easy to stay connected. Go to WMUR's Facebook page, tap follow, then see first. That's it. Just two taps brings you back in the know. Okay, Governor Mark Sanford, thanks for joining us yes, sir. on the trail for our podcast here. Just wrapped up Candidate Cafe. Uh, it's clear you've got a real knack for the retail-style campaigning. What did you think about these kind of interactions with voters here? They loved it. I mean, uh, uh, we, we covered the, 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 the full smorgasbord of different conversational topics at the personal level, not at the political level, not at the policy level. And I think that that's uh, disarming, it's interesting, uh, in that you really get a, 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 a back and forth about sort of the who, uh, you know, wh what made you you, what, what, why, wh wh where'd you come from? I, I thought it was fascinating. Right. You touched on, in such a deep way, the situation you went through uh, where your p personal and political lives collided in such dramatic fashion. What did you learn from all of that? Um, you never stop learning. I mean, I, I think that that's, uh, I keep telling my sons, life is a, a, a process of learning moments, and you better be ready to, in fact, engage and reflect just a little bit so that you take from those moments and, and indeed learn from them. Um, I don't think that there's any one takeaway I, other than to say life has ups and downs and we can learn from them if we so choose. 
I'm curious, nobody asked about the fact that you were one of the first members of Congress to begin living in your office. How did you make that decision and what were some of the logistics you had to figure out to make it work? Yeah, at that time it actually became a national news story way back when. Um, but I did it because when I first got to Congress, uh, I was there for the, quote, 100 days of, of quote, the, Re the Republican Revolution. And at that point, we were pulling all-nighters with some of these votes, which I didn't even pull all-nighters when I was in college. And so uh, I was like, well, this is kind of crazy. And the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to have a 30-minute commute tacked onto that to and from the Capitol. And so I started out just sleeping in the office during the 100 days. Then I liked it. And I was like, well, I don't want to have a commute. Uh, <laughs> and all my work is right there. I, I, the taxpayer gets more benefit out of me because finish up dinner, go back to your office, and, and you work away. And it was also a way of just remembering where home was and where home wasn't. Uh, by the end of the week, you were ready for a real bed as opposed to a, a, a futon that I stashed ultimately behind that sofa. And um, it was, I think, a very, very important reminder that, that Washington was not home. So at a variety of different levels, it was important. Logistically, you, you don't have a, a, a shower in a, a member's office, but it necessitated a trip to the gym every single day, if for nothing else than a shower. Hopefully you get a workout get here, yeah. and that was good. You're not too far removed from Congress. If you were still on Capitol Hill, how would you be approaching this impeachment inquiry? Uh, with gravity, um, it's 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 it's. I mean, they're very serious charges, and and it's very important. I think for everybody, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you fall on, for this to be treated uh, uh, very seriously, given the gravity of what impeachment entails. On a similar note, there, uh, a lot of Republicans are taking issue with what the president has done in uh, northern Syria. Is there a way? Now, I guess what's the best way forward at this point? The president's made his decision. That's his prerogative on foreign policy. But what should be done next? Well, the problem is what you don't want to do is appear mercurial or, or knee-jerk in exercising foreign policy. If you want to have a friend in life, be there consistently for the friend. If you want to have an ally in the world of foreign affairs, be there consistently for your allies, and they'll do the same for you. And I think what shocked a lot of people about that was the way in which it was immediate uh, and, 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 and seemingly not premeditated, that there wasn't a lot of calculation. The fact that you'd catch the, you know, the Pentagon sort of uh, flat-footed on the subject surprised a lot of folks. So I, I, I think you know, what comes next is now you deal with it. Um, but I, 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 don't, I think it sent a, a very scary signal out to a lot of our allies on what does it mean to be an American ally. So we wrap up here. You've been a lifelong Republican, um, a big name in this party uh, for a long time. How do you convince fellow Republicans that, that uh, the party doesn't have to be about President Trump only? Because they were about other ideas before Trump came along. They'll be about other ideas after Trump leaves. I so think you think the party will heal pretty quickly? I hope so. I don't know. I, I, that's my hope. Um, but what I do know in human relations is you can't take words back. And so you say something that's awfully rough to a brother and sister, yeah, you'll be there at Thanksgiving having dinner together, but there may be a bit of strain. And I think that you know, we're straining some of the, the historic precepts that the Republican Party was built upon, and it will, it will not snap back into place right away. I mean, we've walked away from where we've historically stood on debt, spending, and deficits. 
you know, we've walked away from this idea of being conservative with regard to institutional change within our system. Uh, we've walked away from conservatism even the way we voice ideas. So I, I, my sense is that this is a temporary phenomenon, and I'm attempting to talk to folks and say, wait a minute, what are the things that made our party great? We have a remarkable legacy when you think about whether it's Reagan or Lincoln or go down the list of, of doing things and reaching out to folks with solutions that made a difference in their lives. Uh, is some of this conducive to, to, to changing things? And is some of it consistent with what we stood about as a party? And I'm finding a degree of reception for that. Governor Sanford, thanks for joining us on yes, the sir. trail. Pleasure. Yes, sir. Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us for WMUR's The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. If you have a moment and can write a review or subscribe to this podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it. You can also find us on WMUR.com and our free WMUR app 24-7. See you for the next episode of this podcast next week.